0: Sorry, I don't love you. A she've gone accustomed
1: to. Just with you something isn't wrong, something isn't wrong, something isn't right.
0: I wish you could
1: be happy. Everyone, welcome to Geekdom is back. Max Mallet has returned and we are talking about the first volume of Darth Vader. This is written by Kieran Gillen. I hope I'm saying that correctly. I am the worst when it comes to pronouncing names if I've only ever read them on the internet. <laughs> and <laughs> the artist on this is Salvador La Roca. I believe that's correct. Colorist mm-hmm. is Edgar Delgado and the letterer is VCs Joe Caramagna.
0: I, I think you're doing a, a pretty stalwart job I, so far.
1: I think I got those.
0: Definitely. And uh, hey, everybody. And It's we're recording the day after, but may the fourth be with you anyway.
1: (laughs) Yes, and it'll be a little while before you guys hear this, so it'll be even a little later. But every day is Star Wars Day, so don't let May the fourth tie you down or anything like that. So we're going to be talking about this trade, and it covers the first six issues of the Darth Vader run, and Max. You and I read this a little differently. I waited for it to be on Marvel Unlimited, which they finally have all 25 issues of this series. So I finished up that 25th issue before going back and sort of getting a feel for the first six again, just because sometimes when you binge read stuff on Marvel Unlimited, issues sort of blur together. You can't keep it straight what happened in which issue. So I went back... Took some notes on it so I wouldn't get confused, but you read this as a trade. How was that experience? Did you sort of want to continue reading after this trade right away, or were you a little bummed that you had to sort of wait a bit?
0: That's a good question. Uh, so I've, I got back into reading comics about two years ago, and that was before I knew about Marvel Unlimited. So I bought this as a trade uh, for 20 bucks. And with Marvel's trade price point, I, it wasn't sustainable financially for me. Right. With that said, I got Marvel Unlimited a f- few months back and I read the final three trades in a one month time period. Okay. While reading other stuff. But I mean, whenever it was... I, I have, I'm have i a huge dork. I have an Excel sheet with a, a reading schedule, right? And whenever it was... St- Darth Vader week I was super pumped. Uh and Kieran Gillen uh I mean we'll get into this in greater detail I'm sure but he nails Darth Vader as a character. Now granted Vader's not the most complex character especially after he gets cooked and wears the outfit we all know and love. <laughs> but he Gillen harnesses The voice, the character voice, of course, not James Earl Jones, but he he hones the voice that we all know from the Star Wars cinematic universe. Every piece of dialogue is, it's, you can hear James James Earl Jones's voice. At least I can, whenever I'm reading Darth Vader say anything in this trade.
1: Yeah, and this is one of those things that will sometimes happen when you have both cinematic versions of something and versions that you can read of characters. I know for me, something similar happened when I read Fight Club because I had seen the movie before. So it's like, you know, everything was in Brad Pitt's voice or Edward Norton's voice and, you know, Helena Bonham Carter's voice. So that sort of, for me, it actually made the reading experience more enjoyable too, because it was not quite exactly the same as the movie, but I was still getting these voices and this better visual of what these characters looked like after that. And obviously, in a comic book, we're already getting that visual part as well. So I think that helps just sort of solidify what's so great about this character in particular. And I want to ask you, are you a Star Wars fan in general? Or are you more of a fan of Darth Vader and that's why you picked this as our topic today.
0: I think that 90% of the time villains are more interesting. So and, and this uh is I- exhibit A for me. I've read some of the other Star Wars comic books uh and the mainstream Star Wars title I think Jason Aaron writes it and he's one right, of my right. favorite writers. I am so much more excited to read Darth Vader than I am to read mainstream Star Wars, so to answer your question, I'm more like Star Wars is not my favorite franchise. I think it's very, very cool,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but um Darth Vader is one of my favorite villains in all of literature, and I would not say that Star Wars is one of my favorite stories,
1: yeah, and I totally understand that obviously, a lot of people like Star Wars for different reasons, basically, you know a lot of people will. Love Princess Leia. A lot of people will love Luke. And I feel like it's a universe where you can sort of find something to like in it, even if you aren't necessarily a huge fan of it as a whole. And as you well know, there are tons of people who are just huge fans of Star Wars in general. And I wouldn't say I'm quite there yet, but it's like I'm slowly getting there with all the new stuff that's coming out. And these comics have helped a lot with that as well. And why don't we go ahead and go by go through this sort of issue by issue. We don't have to spend too long on each issue because I'm sure we want to talk about this storyline as a whole in a little more depth but we have some quick points on each issue to cover basically and you know issue one, they give us a larger issue than we normally get you know most comics when you're reading them online it'll be like 22 pages or so and that's including. The front cover, basically, on Marvel Unlimited and everything, at least, anyway. So this was about, I want to say, 33, 34 pages on Marvel Unlimited. And it sort of just really introduces us to the storyline and sort of Vader going off on his own without Palpatine's approval, essentially, because that comes up throughout these six issues, too. And What did you think of the appearances of Jabba the Hutt and Boba Fett in these first issues? Did you think that sort of epitomized the lengths that Vader will go to and sort of the people he'll associate himself with just to get something done if he can't be in, you know, a ton of places at once?
0: Uh, Yes. Yes, that's a great point. Um, It's not explicit. So one thing about this entire series is unlike if you're reading Spider-Man or Batman, you are never given the inner monologue in Vader's head. But I think we can infer that a character as cunning and intelligent as Vader uh, will surround himself by people he knows are weaker than him. Or, in Jabba's case, not people, but things. So it seems to me that he knows that he can't make Palpatine his puppet, Uh, but he can make Jabba and a bounty hunter his puppet for sure with barely any effort on his part. So that's that's how it comes across to me.
1: Yeah, and I just really enjoyed how inclusive they were making this, even though it was a Darth Vader solo run, basically. They weren't going to just focus on him. They were going to sort of give us these... Well known characters throughout the Star Wars universe, in addition to having the story be about Darth Vader. And in issue two, you can tell that Vader just wants to be able to do his own thing. And he's really, really not a fan of taking orders from anyone because he knows how powerful he is and how most people don't come remotely close to being as powerful as he is
0: absolutely absolutely before uh we um totally abandon issue one is it all right if i talk about uh the first time that we see uh vader combat in the series yeah of course awesome so uh towards so first of all issue one like you said is 34 issues 34 pages on marvel unlimited uh digitally so it's almost double the size of a standard comic, which is awesome. Um, and there's a section where uh, J- Jabba tests Vader initially. I mean, he's basically a mob boss, right? So he, he can't just uh, roll over and show Vader, Vader his belly because then who's going to take him seriously? Now, Vader responds by taking out a lot of his henchmen over the course of three pages where there's almost no dialogue it's just vader doing work um we haven't really seen i mean we saw vader really go nuts in one scene in cinema uh in rogue one now that's probably expensive to do in a movie right uh, with cgi right. and special effects but what's so great about comics is like the budget isn't affected you can have vader go nuts and it's just it's so gorgeous to look at uh, especially with uh, la roca's artwork i'm like, a huge fan of his. And the coolest dialogue in my mind that Vader has in this entire trade is uh he has a back and forth with uh Jabba the Hutt for a few pages. I, I won't go into all of it because it's actually kind of long. But uh Jabba says to Vader, You arrive a day early, you kill two of my guards, and you expect me to deal with you. And Darth Vader says, I've only killed two. Do not make me reconsider my generosity. And that's just like, you can hear like the ice in those words. And this is before he's even unsheathed his lightsaber. And there's already like a thunder to him, to his presence. Like he doesn't have to give much effort for you to fear him. And it comes across so beautifully.
1: Yeah. And I feel like too, even in issue one when he is with Palpatine, those moments are the moments where Vader doesn't seem quite like himself because he is aware in those moments that he's not the top boss, basically, and Palpatine still has this sort of hold over him, I guess you could say, which that's sort of what leads into issue two and him not being a fan of taking orders. And this issue it sort of doesn't quite bring too, too much, I would say, to the storyline. He attacks a pirate ship and he finds a leak on the ship that he's on with, I want to say it's Tag is his name. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but that's what it looks like. So that's what I'm going with. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's more about him sort of just doing the dirty work, essentially, and showing everyone on that ship how much smarter and how much more powerful he is than the rest of them, because he sort of just drops the guy on the ground and was like, here's your leak, but in a much, <laughs> a much more harsh way, of course.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the, uh, what, you, what you touched on with um, Vader and, and Palpatine, the Emperor, uh, when they're in the room together, Mm -hmm. to me it kind of feels like a mob boss and the number two and they both know that the number two wants to be the boss and but they're playing this kind of dance of words if that makes sense it does It's, it's it's this like the the politics of dialogue i guess
1: yeah and in issue three this is when we see Dr. Afra, And what do you think of her character in general? Because she does get a solo title of her own after this starts as well. And personally, I haven't read too much of it just because there isn't too much of it on Marvel Unlimited just yet. But I have read at least a couple or a few issues of it. And the way she presents herself in Vader, I think it sort of Gave them a reason to give her a solo title because she is definitely an interesting character for Vader to align himself with.
0: Right. So I don't think there's much on Marvel Unlimited because it's a pretty new series, uh, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Uh, from what I've seen, it's been pretty well received. And a lot of times when there's a very familiar franchise like Star Wars, it can be difficult to inject, especially a franchise that didn't start as a comic. Um, it can be hard to inject a character and give them their own identity, their own voice, their own um, motives and quirks. And I think Gillen does a pretty awesome job of very much giving her her own voice. She's kind of like the way that Han Solo is a good guy, but he has certain bad characteristics. Maybe he's like 75, 25, right? I feel like Dr. Afra's the reverse, where. She's not um, a total evildoer the way Vader is, but she's enough of one to be in their circle uh, while looking out for herself. And she's kind of like a a female Star Wars universe uh, Indiana Jones or Lara Croft. That's kind of how she comes across to me.
1: Yeah. And you are correct. There actually aren't any issues on Marvel Unlimited just yet because it is so new because it essentially picks up where Darth Vader number 25 leaves off and that just hit Marvel Unlimited, which that I believe that one was delayed a little bit too. So then I think a few other things were then delayed as well, or they just decided to do them at a later date, something like that. But either way, I think she makes a great addition not only to this comic, but to the Star Wars universe. And like you said, it's definitely been pretty well received as a solo comic book for her. And I know I definitely bought the first issue, so I at least read some of it. And I just really like what she brings to this. And with her droids, Triple Zero and BT-1. I know you have some comments on this too, but personally, I'm just a huge fan of droids in Star Wars, apparently, because you know, while R2-D2 and C-3PO might not be the most interesting droids, I think just because of how prominent they are in the story and how involved they are too for droids, that's sort of what put them at the forefront as far as droids go, and then with Rogue One, you had K2SO, who brought a lot of humor to a droid, and I really get that sort of feeling with Triple Zero and BT-1, because even though we aren't hearing, you know, Alan Tudyk's voice (laughs) coming through our speakers Mm -hmm. or anything like that with these two droids, because of the fact that they're not used for good, they sort of have these different personalities. And yes, droids can have personalities. We have been shown that throughout Star Wars already. And I think they just add a lot more, not only to this comic, but then later to Dr. Aphra's title as well.
0: Yes. Yes, that is true. Uh, droids are people too. Um, <laughs> so uh, they actually get um, even better as this uh, series moves along. Triple uh, Zero does not stop Getting uh, being funny, um, normally so triple zero and uh, BT one are as you've said uh, basically the evil equivalents of uh, C three PO and R two D two. Normally, I don't like characters that are just like the opposite of your good guys, right? right. Um, like the Reverse Flash kind of bores me. Um, like Venom is is. A kind of cool counterpoint to Spider Man because he's different enough. But I i much prefer characters who are like, well, how do you f- fit in with the hero? Like the Joker with Batman, clowns and, and bats aren't really a thing. Or the Green Goblin and Spider Man, like spiders and goblins aren't really a thing. But in this case, I kind of like that these guys are the opposites. It, it makes sense for a, a universe as black and white as Star Wars is. And Triple Zero, who's the inverse of C-3PO, is uh, a human-cyborg relations droid, except uh, he's a torture specialist, right? Uh, his his design, by the way, is really cool. It's just like um, metallic black with beady red eyes. Uh, and there's a, a point in issue four where he's uh, torturing uh, someone of interest. And Vader leaves the room. And Triple Zero says, uh, hello, I'm Triple Zero, and I'm looking forward immensely to torturing you today. Uh and then he says, uh, well, listen to me fretting away. I'm sure we'll work out our differences in time. And then it kind of zooms in on a close up of his face and he's holding a needle. And it says, Now, let's start with your name. And it's just the tone, like, it's the aesthetic is close enough to C3PO, but the words that are coming out of his mouth are so different that it's kind of jarring. At least it was for me.
1: Yeah. And, you know, issue three was more of an introduction to these new characters that they're bringing into the fold and the new droids. And then in issue mm-hmm. four, that's when we really get to see them go to work, like you said. And before that scene happens, too, they go and they attack some genosians, i think that's how you pronounce that i'm really bad with yeah, star wars pronunciations, so please bear with me here and later dr afra is p- preparing a droid army essentially and one can only gather that these droids are going to be pretty similar to triple zero and bt1 and it would be interesting to see a droid army like that but we don't really get to see that in action just yet or At all, really. And then, you know, we have the bounty hunter bringing Dr. Silo 4 to Vader, and he's the one who's being tortured. And this plays into the fact that later, well, in the next issue, actually, we then have a Silo 5. (laughs) So, you know, clearly (laughs) something has gone terribly wrong with Silo 4 in his encounter with Triple Zero.
0: Yeah, it didn't end well for him. Yeah. So uh, before the thought runs dry, uh, I won't give much away. But uh, as you continue to read Darth Vader, don't forget about the possibility of a droid army. Um, Because uh, Triple Zero and BT-1, uh, depending on the issue, have a lot of prominence throughout the Darth Vader series. Uh, They they are not going away, which is great. Because are, they are the humor foils to Vader's straight lace. But yeah, uh, so as you said, uh, Silo IV, we, we come to, f- to find that, uh, you don't know this at first, but uh, Silo is um, a clone. And I guess he can just keep on being cloned. So Silo IV does not enjoy his encounter with 000 and VT1, uh, to put it mildly. Uh, and uh, then what happens after that? Uh, Towards the end of issue five, uh, Emperor Palpatine resurfaces, correct?
1: Yeah, he sort of just shows up after Vader has faced off against what appears to be siblings with lightsabers, and, you know, Palpatine just kind of comes up behind, and I believe maybe even above Vader, and sort of just lets his presence be known, and it's another one of those moments where you can tell that Palpatine likes Vader, but he does not want to lose his emperor spot to Vader. You know, for him, Vader is a tool. And that moment leads us, you know, into the last issue of this storyline. And then Silo and Palpatine are sort of just watching this fight happen between Vader and all of these people, or clones, perhaps, that Silo has at hand, essentially.
0: Right, right. Uh, once issue five ends, you know that issue six is going to be fast-paced and, frankly, amazing. Uh, issue six is everything that, as a, even as a mile, if you, whether you're a diehard Star Wars fan or you kind of more passively like Star Wars like I would describe myself that way. Um, This gives you everything that you want from having Darth Vader on screen or on page.
1: Yeah, and I really love the final page in issue six, because you just have Vader standing there looking out, and it's sort of like he's looking out through this. It's not completely shattered glass, but you can see all the cracks and everything in it. And This is right after he finds out that the boy he's been looking for, who he's not much of a boy, you know, he's fighting with the rebels and everything, he finds out he's a Skywalker. And that is the moment that he knows he has a son because he had this fact kept from him, basically, for so long. And he's so enraged with Palpatine that he is determined not to let him down. And to me, that's an interesting idea because it's not like in that moment he's determined to just take out Palpatine. He's going to finish his mission and then probably find a way to sort of get that top spot in the Empire and everything like that. And it's just such... An emotional issue not necessarily as a reader but for vader himself and that's not something we necessarily get to see with his character all that often
0: that's a great point that's a great point because he might be um if not the least emotional character uh in mainstream pop culture he's certainly one of them he's probably the most emotionless character that people like um, not that you like what he does, but you like that he exists as a character. Uh, and just to give a, a little bit of context in issue six, um, so basically the, the emperor has, uh, challenged Vader to see if he's really his top dog and, uh, Vader handles himself in combat the way that you'd expect he would. Uh, he has no equal in combat. And, uh, so after that, like you said, uh, Vader discovers he has a son. Uh, he's looking out into the vast abyss of space and he's getting angrier and angrier because he's thinking about his son and he's thinking about, he's having flashbacks to scenes that we might remember from star Wars episode three, uh, with, uh, Vader's, uh, late wife. And you see the glass slowly develop spider web cracks. And then, like you say, the big splash page in the last page of the issue shows uh there are there seem to be more uncracked or more cracked sections of the window than uncracked, and this would terrify most people because that window breaks, right You're in space. Vader could give a damn he's going to be fine, so it just it goes to show that he's a character of immense just fortitude and there's never a glimmer of uncertainty with anything he ever does
1: exactly and i think what's good here is that this trade just gives you such a broad picture of vader you get him being completely ruthless and you get him being emotional all in the same trade and the same storyline here and Obviously, this is before a lot of certain events happen, namely him fighting with Luke. And it's sort of just this raw look at Vader when he finds out that he has a son. And I think that's something that makes this such a good run to start this series. And I know you and I were going back and forth a little about The idea of a Darth Vader solo movie, which, if Disney doesn't do that, you and I probably will both think they're crazy. And I'm sure a lot of other people would think so too. But if they did something like this, whether or not they base it off the comic directly, they probably wouldn't simply because of how involved Lucasfilm is with any type of visual media that goes on with Star Wars. I know they have. You know specific stories for the books to follow now that everything's in canon, and I don't know if they would necessarily duplicate something they've already done. But if they could find a way to maybe pick up where this series leaves off in issue twenty-five or something like that, we could still get a really great solo Vader story out of it.
0: That is that is true. Um, so if, uh, first of all, like you said. We briefly talked about the possibility of a Vader solo film. Disney would be leaving at minimum a billion dollars on the table if they didn't do that. Uh, And, I mean, James Earl Jones isn't getting any younger. Uh, And it would be blasphemous to have somebody else be his voice. Um, But, we so, uh, Disney owning this property and owning Marvel we're going to, in November, see the third Thor movie, which uses some elements from Planet Hulk, right? So they've shown that, and they just had Civil War come out last year. They've shown a willingness to borrow certain aspects from extremely popular storylines. Um, we'll see if they do this with Star Wars. Uh I think if they used this volume, this volume might be perfect because it's right between episodes three and four. Um, or I'm I'm sorry, is it between three and four, or is or four and five?
1: I am totally drawing a blank on that as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I I, it, I think it has to be four and five because to, uh, unless I'm insane,
1: it's after a new hope. So you are correct.
0: Yeah, it, it had to be because in A New Hope, Vader doesn't realize Luke is his son. Right. Now, um, so this would be really cool. But if, if I were in charge of Disney, which I, I never will be, I would actually have a, a different trade that maybe we'll talk about another time, which is uh, Vader Down, which takes place between volume two and three of the series. It's, it's exactly in the middle. Of, of the entire series. Mm-hmm. And there are scenes in that trade that must be on, on screen because they're just unbelievable. Uh, but anyway, back to this one, there's enough cool stuff here that you could definitely have in a movie. Um, more Vader and Jabba, Vader and Boba Fett introducing two memorable droids, uh, someone we haven't talked really much about, if at all, uh, I don't know how to pronounce this name, Kersantan, who's basically evil Chewbacca. Right. Not to mention Dr. Aphra, uh, who uh, would, uh, I think, just be great in, in terms of uh, toy merchandise and obviously uh, bringing more interest to the female demographic. Because aside from Princess Leia and uh, really Rey in episode uh, seven, they haven't really done that great of a job, uh, with female characters with having many at all that are memorable. Right. And Doctor Aphra really hits that nail on the head. So th- there's a ton to draw from here.
1: Yeah, and they wouldn't even have to necessarily do it, you know, panel by panel or something like that, make each of those panels a frame or something. They could just take some of these aspects of the comic. They don't necessarily need to directly take the scenes and I think that would be plenty good enough for a separate Darth Vader solo story. Is there anything absolutely. that we have missed that you wanted to touch on before we wrap it up here?
0: Um, sure. So, uh, yeah. I mean, just to kind of bounce off what you just said. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the Civil War film is drastically different than uh, the comic book, for example. And uh, quick hot take. I think the movie is a better story. Uh, but we can get into that another time. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think about... Um, Gillen's writing and LaRocca's art, because I have some very specific opinions on it, but I would love to hear your take first.
1: I think Gillen really has the ability to capture the essence of each of these characters and really just bring out everything that we need for the story in them. You know, with Afra, she has no qualms about the fact that Vader kills people when he's done with them basically and she you know basically says I don't want to die <laughs> to Vader directly and she's scared of him but she doesn't act like she is when she's doing something for him and I think the way he wrote her character made her a much stronger female character in general and you you can't fault anyone for being scared of Vader, basically. But the fact that she is sort of just knowing what she is going to do and why she's doing it, I think that makes her a great character. And like you said, with Triple Zero, he has this personality that just shines in the comic book. And as far as the art goes, I think the writing is definitely what makes a comic for me. And I know I've mentioned this before, but the art style is very clean. And I think that helps a lot with the fight scenes and everything like that. They're not sort of just this big mess on a page. You can clearly see what's happening during these fight scenes. And I think that sort of clarity in those scenes makes them look a lot better.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I, I agree on both counts. Uh, I, as we discussed, I think, on uh, the first time I was on here, I also am more drawn to the writing. Mm -hmm. uh, Also because I I couldn't draw to save my life. (laughs) But yeah, they they both work really well in tandem. Um, The end of issue six, where we see Vader with emotion at the window looking at space, both uh, Gillen and LaRocca tell the story with Vader saying very few words. And I think because he's such a limited character in terms of the scope of his personality and his speech that they are forced to show so much more than they tell. And the story is strengthened all the more by that. Uh, And I think it's just, it's pretty awesome because too often uh, you'll read a comic or, or a book or any Piece of fiction, really, and it's so much exposition and telling instead of showing or telling while you're showing, and it, it gets redundant. Whereas with this, the storytelling is just absolutely seamless. Uh, and in for this book, I actually like obviously both creators uh, really make it happen, but Larocca's art blows me away. Uh, so he actually worked with Matt Fraction on the 2008 to 2012 uh, Iron Man run. Okay, and his he has some of the best splash pages that you'll see in modern comics. Uh, and he's very, very good with the Iron Man run. This is even better. Like that last splash page in issue six, uh, I could just look at it forever because there's space. There's the star destroyers in front of Vader, uh, moving towards a, a green planet in the distance, and you can see the texture on Vader's cape, and uh, also the the light reflecting off his helmet. It's just LaRocca's art is uh, exquisite. It's it's very very good for the series.
1: Yeah, we all obviously also have to give some credit to Edgar Delgado's coloring too, because he is able to take la Rocca's art and sort of just give it this color and with vader this darkness that just enhances it even more and i think the two of them together make a really great team
0: no question no question um i have one more thought on art and after that i have a question for you go for it there are two covers i mean all these covers are great uh I don't think we've really talked about covers before, but there are two to me that stand out. Issue two is amazing. Uh, It shows Vader walking past uh, General Tag, I think, or Tog, maybe it's German. Um, And he's walking past Tog and Stormtroopers down a hallway. Mm -hmm. And there's apparently wind, and it blows Vader's cape up behind him, like perpendicular to his body. Uh, And vader just looks like a complete badass uh he's holding his lightsaber it's it's off it's not on but it doesn't matter uh it gives you such a great view of the costume design and uh vader's costume is really it's supposed to hit two things at once i think it does it very well it's supposed to hit both the sort of vader as an evil samurai aesthetic with the sword and uh The the helmet design towards the bottom flaring out is a a little bit like a nod to samurai culture. Uh, But then also the fact that he's clad entirely in black and that he has no qualm with mass murder, um, giving him sort of uh, a bit of a a fascist uh, bootstepper vibe. Uh, I think that the cover of issue two nails that really well. And then the cover of issue five. Uh, which shows, I think, the lightsaber of the twins that you mentioned who challenge him. Uh, One is yellow, one is uh, green, and they are crossed over him. And uh, he is, uh, you have basically a a full profile of him, and it's the the red, green, and yellow light from all the lightsabers reflecting off of him. And it's it's just gorgeous. Uh, what the art is able to do uh, in terms of light reflection and shadow uh, is is just pretty incredible throughout the series. So that really stood out to me in terms of in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, the artwork highlights.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of the covers in this run in general are very good. When I went to go read the last issue, I just love. The cover so much and I won't give it away in case anyone is like me and reading on Marvel Unlimited and has not gotten to that issue yet but this trade was definitely a good one and I just want to thank you Max for coming on to talk about it
0: absolutely diana thank you for having me um, if, if you don't mind I do have one question for you did you have a favorite uh, issue or scene or piece of dialogue from this trade?
1: I think issue six might be my favorite. It might be tied between that and issue three when we first see Dr. Afra, because issue three obviously introduces these characters that play a big role throughout the rest of this run. But in issue six, it's just that emotion we get from Vader. Again, I think that sort of makes it not only an excellent Issue to end this storyline on, but just an excellent issue to have in the start of a run in general. And they don't get there so quickly that it feels rushed. They take their time through the first five issues and sort of build up to this point, even if it's kind of just off in the background. You know, Boba Fett is doing this for Vader and we're not seeing it on the page. And I think the way they did that; it just made it work so much better.
0: Absolutely, I, I I couldn't agree more.
1: How about you? Is there any particular moment, or is it sort of that last page too, still where you see Vader just looking out through the busted glass?
0: So that is it's so good, but for me, it's actually it, issue one is my favorite, simply because um, Vader taking someone who's pretty feared in the Star Wars universe in Jabba the Hut and basically letting him know jabba you are my dog and i don't mean that you know in an endearing dawg way no you are my dog and when uh when i tell you to you will bark and you will roll over and you will play dead uh vader basically just bringing him to heel uh and letting him know how stupid he thinks jabba is because Jabba keeps calling him Jedi, which I love. And oh. Vader says, uh, you, basically Vader kills a few people because Jabba keeps calling him Jedi, is what we learn. And Vader telling him, I am no Jedi. Uh, Mind tricks are their way. I am of the dark side. And we prefer force. Just like very blunt, no flowery language to the point. And I, I just love how he's able to um, exert his power overtly and just, (laughs) it it just kind of comes so easily for him.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, that wraps it up for today, Max. I'm sure you will be back on to talk more comics in the future. As always, you are definitely welcome to do that. And to our listeners, as always, thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.
0: Thanks for having me on, Dana. And uh, may the force be with you all, always. Yes.
1: (laughs)